I thought I hit it in Salamat. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, if you look at my face, you're wondering where I'm from in California. Uh, after Spanish, English Spanish, the, the third most spoken language in California is Tagalog, which is one of the, the major dialects in, in, in the Philippines. So if you look at my face, yes, I am born in the Philippines, which once was a colony of Spain. I grew up uh, from 19, whew, 1959 until uh, the, pr the present before heading to the mission field. I grew up in California, down in San Diego, came to know Jesus Christ at UCLA when I was in college in Los Angeles, California, another colony of Spain. <laughs> but <laughs> I work and serve the Lord in Spain. And now my job is to colonize Spain with the kingdom communities of disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by his grace, he has heard and he has blessed us in a very, very uh, challenging field. Is this? Wow. Um, there it is. I see it. It's on. Thank you. Whoa, this is fast. Whew, I'm slow. There you go. Very interesting. 28 years ago today, my dear wife and I, a little three-year-old and a one-and-a-half-month-old arrived in Spain for the very first time. And little did we know what we were doing. I mean, I thought, we're excited. I sense God was calling us here. But I confess that amongst that excitement, there was a lot of fear. I was like, what are we doing? What are we getting into? We're going to be planting churches, and it's, it's not an easy work. Start something from nothing. I will admit, I was scared, and I thought, am I crazy? Am I, did I, did, there were doubts. I didn't want to let anyone know that, but deep down inside, there was a lot of fear. One of my biggest struggles is my fear of failure. And I thought, did I bite off more than I could chew? But God was good. God was good. This was really where I was having to trust and believe in God more than ever. And even though we have the, the, our, our, our two little ones that we arrived with, God was gracious enough to give us two more who were born in Spain, our two youngest ones, uh, Jonathan and David. They're now grown-ups. Olivia's 31, right next to her, going from left to right is David, our youngest. He's 24. Then the, the one in the very center, right to the other side of me, is Jonathan, who is 27. And then we have, Jonathan, uh, then we have Troy, our, our oldest son, who's 29 years old. And they're spread out all over the world right now, or even the USA. So our daughter, Olivia, just landed in Spain a little over a year ago. And so she's back there teaching. She's starting the teaching in southern Spain. Uh, we, have jo we have Troyer, who's in the Chicago area, with probable transition to Oklahoma City to be trained as an air traffic controller. We have Jonathan, and we do not know how that, that, uh, that uh, hurricane is happening. It will let delay things. But I will be flying out on Tuesday to see him and, and we'll drive from Miami to Buffalo where he will be moving. Uh, he just finished the encoding, so he's, he'll be looking for employment. And then our David, we will be visiting in Springfield as we return back from Buffalo through Springfield, Missouri. And from there, um, he is planning to move to Houston, Texas. So we are in a family which 
have been on the move for a long time, and here they go. They're still moving. But uh, God has graced us, and uh, it is a blessing to happen because in a blink of eye, an eye, this has happened so fast. I see some of you that have your little children, and my, oh, my, it happens so fast. It happens so fast. So who are we? We are missionaries. We are about to missionaries with the EFCA. The EFCA's logo or their, their motto is multiplying transformational churches among all people. That is, the, that is what Oroville EFC is a part of, the EFCA Churches of America. And that is part of what we do as missionaries. We are here, and, this, and Jill and I, what we're about is doing something a little bit more. We want to make it a little more clear or what we are doing, and this is what we are doing as workers in Madrid, Spain. We are here to multiply transformational disciples and churches through authentically and vulnerably sharing the gospel of God's grace to the bruised and brokenhearted in Madrid and beyond. So as we are multiplying, even though we want to see tra tra transformational churches being multiplied, we believe it cannot be done without making transformational disciples. So disciple-making has always been on my heart. Having come to Christ through crew, uh, the ministry at UCLA, one of the ministries around the world, but while I was at UCLA, they were about making disciples, conversion, and being equipped to follow Jesus. And if we want to see churches multiply, the ones that are going to be multiplying those churches are disciples. So we need to be training up transformational disciples. But how are we doing this? After uh, 28 years of ministry, we are certain that one of the most effective ways we've seen it happening is through authentically and vulnerably sharing the gospel of God's grace to the bruised and broken hearts, hearts, hearts in Madrid but we also want to go further because our God is that big. And you're going to the bruised and broken authentically. We have to be real. We can't be faking it. Often they think that us that are up front need to be the superheroes. These people that have their life together. But we often don't. We are sinners saved by the grace of God. And so what, when we're sharing with our struggles and every single pastor in the world, every, every missionary, every Christian, every elder, there is some struggle. It's not just uh, for those that are in the pews, please. We all have that. And I'm thankful that Pastor Greg shared and, and, and prayed for that because we all have that. But the more we share how we are, and what we're doing. Who's the hero of, of, of Jill and my story? We're not the heroes in that sense. God is our hero as we get through our struggles. And we all have them. If you look at Jesus, did he have struggles? If you look at Paul, did he have struggles? If you look at Peter, did he have, did he have struggles? Yes, they did. And the hero of their story, the only one who can save the hero of their story uh, was themselves, is Jesus. Peter and Paul and the, uh, the 12, their hero was Jesus and is Jesus. So this is our mission because everyone has had their hearts broken. Everyone has been bruised. And the greatest hope, the greatest help, the greatest need is the gospel. The gospel is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's how we share it. Being real. That is our mission. And our text today will be, as we wind down this missions committee, missions conference is the mission. And this mission that you and I have is Jesus' final words in the book of Matthew. It is a commission, the great commission. But this mission that you and I share is a great commission. I will show you why. Let's look at the, the text. The text as we wind this down goes like this. From Matthew 28, 16 to 18, 
If you want to read on your Bibles, you, you're welcome to. I'll give you a little time to, to catch up on it. I know it's, there are a lot of people that like to get into the text rather than looking up on a screen. About 10 years ago, I used to complain about screenagers um, when the young people were always on that. And I'm going, I'm a screenager now, but I'm not young like them. But, uh, but on the screen, it says here, Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God. And we're going to look at this a little bit more. What makes this mission a great commission? I'm going to point four things out from this text. The first thing is the master. Who is the master? Jesus, yes. It says there in the text, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus directed them. And what did they do? They worshiped him. It all begins, the Great Commission begins with the Master. It is important that we worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Master, the risen Lord, the Savior. And as Gus so, so well shared last, last Friday evening, all the way about the master that, that that story was pointing from way back from the creation in the garden after the fall pointing to to abraham who's going to have a seed the master and through that was going to be a nation israel and through that would be the seed the promised messiah the master jesus christ and so as, as we hear that story it, we, we wind this down in Matthew 28 where this baby after the lineage of Jesus is, is shared we see this baby who all of a sudden grows up to be a man and gives proof of being the Messiah how does he do that we saw that there were miracles he showed his powerful power over nature stilling a storm he showed the power over the supernatural, exercising demons. He showed his power over sickness, healing in some places, healing everyone around that area. He showed power over death, raising people from the dead. He fed 4,000. He fed 5,000. Now, please, I'm not trying to knock down white, the White House or, 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 or Washington, D.C., but can they do that? Who should we put our trust in? And that's what Israel was waiting. They had been waiting for this Messiah, this, this one that was going to free them and, and fulfill that promise that they would have to be that new kingdom. It didn't happen the way they wanted it. Because he died. But that was his plan. And so for a few days, uh, even a week after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, people were saying, Hosanna. But yet, what happened? He was crucified on a cross. Buried. 
in all their hopes and dreams of being vice president and, and, and princes and, and governors along with the king, the Messiah. Jesus dashed. But three days later, at the beginning of this chapter, Matthew 28, he rises from the dead. Oh, he conquered death. He conquered death so that he can live for us. This is the master. So, of course, what happens when they encountered him in Jerusalem for the first time? For the first time, these 11 worship him. The very first time we see him being worshipped is in Matthew earlier, in uh, verse, verse 9. And we see it here again. They worship him. We need to worship Jesus. But there's a problem also, even as they're worshiping him. But some doubt it. There's this time, there's these 11, they're, 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 they're with Jesus, but there's doubt. These are the men that Jesus is using to change the world. What are they doing doubting? I have a question. Do we ever doubt I do. I have doubts. 28 years ago, I was telling you, and I don't know how many people I've ever told, I was scared. I wasn't sure if I was, was I really called to this? There were doubts. Can we really see a church or churches? I was hoping to see churches happen where they come out of nothing. But God was gracious. I want to ask you, just even write a note to yourself. What do you doubt? What do you doubt about Christianity, about Jesus? What was this doubt? That he can't use you? Do you doubt that he really does love you? That he's happy with you and not disappointed in you? Do you doubt that, that he can't help you overcome a certain sin or sins or different or numerous habits? Are there insecurities or whether he can, he can save your marriage? That he can restore your children to him? Do you doubt that, can I get over this divorce? That he can use me? Doubts happen. But as we worship him, as we worship him, I'm not here doing this, it, it, it helps. And what, what does Jesus do about our doubts? Very beautifully in this passage, Jesus came to them. So there they are doubting, and then Jesus, by his grace, draws near to them. He's not saying, oh, I know that uh, maybe you're still doubting, Thomas, but no, I'm not. No, he goes closer. And it might not be Thomas, okay? He draws near and works. And he assures them. And he assures them this, with these words, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's taken that back. He's given that up for a season. Even though he was the Lord, God, but it is his now. So as you see those doubts, bring them before him. He knows, and he's going to draw near to you and show, I'm the Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll work on this. The second thing is to get moving. Movement. It says there to go, therefore. So because he has all authority as master to go. Come along. Get going. It could mean to go where you are. As we heard Richard going to Japan and then having to be in Seattle. And now he's serving in, in, in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. So we see he's not necessarily, didn't go far, but he's still 
close. And many of you, this is your mission field. But I do sense that there are some here, and some in your Sunday school, in the children's classes right now, that might be going further away. But this is our mission field. Oroville and the surrounding areas do need Jesus. Your mission field, in many ways, is your home, your family, your neighbors, those that live next to you. For you that are students, your school, for you that work, where you work. If you go to the grocery store, wherever you are, you are a missionary. If you have hobbies, sports, arts, whatever, ministries of compassion, serving here is going. It might also mean this, moving closer to the master. Point one. Because it begins with Jesus. One of the challenges I have in missions right now is, is because I have had a lot of experience, a lot of missionaries, a lot of national leaders will come to me for advice. And they're wanting to ask about questions about strategy and how to be more effective and this and that. But usually what I will do is go after their hearts and say, what's going on inside? How's your relationship with the master? They're doing this, 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 and they're not seeing so much fruit. And they're frustrated. And uh, they're ready to throw in the towel. And some have thrown in the towel. But usually what happens is I, I will go, how are you doing with the master? How are you doing with Jesus? So for many of us, our movement might mean to go back. And it should always be going to Jesus first. And with him, we will go. Therefore, let's move. And so the third point would be to make this, and this is the mission, to make disciples. I wrestled with my, my mission because they said, we want, we're about church planting. And I said, yes, I don't, I don't see us a command to go church, plant churches. Yet at the same time, I am convinced that the most effective way to church plant churches is to get people in groups kingdom community groups which will evolve which become churches so we're to make disciples that's evangelism and equipping others to follow there's a, there's a, a survey by one of the top uh, theologians and New Testament scholars on what is a disciple on disciple making and discipleship his name is Dr. Michael Wilkins and at Talbot I believe he's retired now he was the dean there, and he did this survey. He, everywhere he goes, when he, he's asked to talk about disciple-making or discipleship, he does this survey, and I'm not going to have you do it right now, but he asked the entire crowd to put their heads down, close their eyes and not look up, and he asked them, with your understanding of Scripture, do you believe in your heart sincerely if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And with no people looking, he said, then he says, put them down. Then he asks the second question. Do you believe with your understanding of Scripture in your experience within your heart, do you believe that you are a Christian? And in churches and in, in chapel, university chapels, at seminary, even at a missions conference, you know what the average number is that raise their hand and say they're, they're disciples? One out of three people. But yet those that believe they're, 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 they're Christians, they're saved, almost every hand goes up. I've done that with my group. The first time I did it, zero raised their hand. Second time I did it with our, our home church, uh, one did because he was there at the previous meeting. <laughs> one out of, and we were, do, we were, because of COVID, there were seven of them, or six of them, five, five. And so because of that, they couldn't. And unfortunately, um, 
they believed they were Christians, but they didn't believe they were disciples. I'm here to propose that every, in, a, after our studies, they all believe they were disciples too. And I believe there are people, the disciples that are just untrained, they're, they're immature, that are new. Um, but I would say this is, this is how Dr. Wilkins would def define what a disciple is. In his book, In His Image, it says, discipleship is the process of becoming like Jesus Christ. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ means living a full human life in the world in union with Jesus Christ and growing in conformity to his image. Okay, it's a little wordy, but he's really ta talking about it is a process of becoming like Jesus Christ. Okay. So it, it basically means that he is in union with Christ. It means they believe in Jesus. But he's, he could say it in another way. From the Bible, he says it this way in one verse, or part of a verse, but everyone is fully trained will be like their teacher. In, who, in this case, he's talking about the teacher is Jesus. We will be more like Jesus. To be more in him is his image. It is a journey. It is a process. Some are going to grow faster in their transformational process to be more like Jesus. Some slower. The ultimate goal is to be like Jesus from the inside out. And how is that done? By baptism and teaching all things. That is, a, that is what he says there in this passage. You make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I was, one of the highlights of this day was there was a brother here that was sharing that he's ready to get baptized. He's preparing for baptism. Came to Christ two, three days ago. And I'm like, hallelujah. Way to go, church. Way to go, church. Baptizing. So he came to Christ a couple weeks ago. Already he's, he's, he's going to baptism classes because he's preparing to be baptized, because he's following the teachings. So it is very vital that we know Genesis to Revelation. We know our, if you know the, entire, the, the word of God, you know the script. It's a story. And if we have the script down, it's easier to, for, to know our role when we step on the scene. And it's not always clear, but we will know within ourselves that from his word, with spirits leading to help us. So the ultimate goal is to be more like Jesus. From the inside out, this transformation takes place. Let me give you a crash course. Some of you were here on Friday morning, but real crash course, short crash course, on what this disciple making looks like. The first thing that we want to help people understand in their being a disciple, you see that in the lower left up there, it's to, to make disciples. It is to teach them to love God, love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, the greatest commandment. All scripture is teaching us to love him completely, wholeheartedly. The second thing is to love our neighbor as ourselves. And one thing that we have found ourselves working on is teaching people to love themselves well. Because the reality is many of us don't. The more I talk with people, and, and when I'm talking with leaders and even the, the, the ones that, I, that I'm in leadership training, they're often driven by self-contempt. They don't tell you that. And so it, 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 it's very fascinating to understand ourselves so that we can make disciples. And so that is our thing. So as we do that, we make disciples and we teach these disciples to love God more, to love their neighbor. It's always in that context of a community. And it's hard to love our neighbors by ourselves. The practice place is right here. So often what I would do is after the service, or even as service ends and leaving time at the end for applications and to play with live bullets sometimes um, to really practice what we're doing before we even leave the place. I wouldn't force that on anyone. We give the grace for people not to, but uh, this is what we do. So this is our basic, but we also realized in the last maybe 15 years there's something that was even more 
just as important, very important, is to be loved by God. Many people don't believe, Christians believe that God loves them. And that's one of the things. And, and, and so it's hard to love, to love God if we don't think he loves us. It's hard to love our neighbor if we don't have his love flowing in and through us. So the thing that we're pushing to and encouraging is to live love. This is very life on life. It's not just a lecture, a transformation of information. It is a transformation. Uh, stealing that from Richard, I think he's the one that said that yesterday. Living loved. This is what it is. And then we've had to add a few things just to make sure, because so many times we're teaching how to, how to, how to make disciples, and yet there's no grace in it. I remember after we planted our first church, I asked my wife, I'm tired, what, but what do we want the second church to look like? And she just said one word, I would love to see a church with a lot of grace. And I shared that with other leaders. And I remember this one church planter, and he starts weeping. He goes, I would love to be a part of that church. In fact, all my churches, all the few churches I've ever planted back in Romania, I don't think they were very grace-filled. So we want to be grace and truth. That's what Jesus came to. Full of grace, full of truth. 100% of both. And that truth includes the Word of God. That truth includes Jesus Christ, way in the truth and the life. That truth also includes being real and not faking it. No mask. And that's part of being vulnerable and real. And we have the grace to do that. And we have a community that would accept us right where we are. So this is how it happens. And, and basically, we want to see transformation. Yeah, quoting Wayne Jacobson, he says, he's the first I heard say this, transformation, we want to see transformation of churches, transformation of disciples, transformation happens at the speed of relationship. So our disciple making is not just that transformation of information, it is life on life. How did that happen? I'm 65. About two days ago, when I was talking with the second graders, I asked, they were guessing my age. They all saying, 75. And I said, no, lower, 76. No, 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 lower, 74, 73, 70. My wife had to say, oh, it begins with a six. And then after they said, no, he looks like he's 70-something at least. I thought, like, okay. But, but God has given us, he is so gracious. We, my, my, the, the thing that I've studied more in, in seminary was how to work with young adults. And by the God's grace, at 65, we still work with young people. It is like mind-blowing. We have people in their 20s and 30s. And, and God just keeps bringing them our way. And so we start working in small, these smaller uh, settings where they come. Not, uh, not, some have come to know. We've had a few come to know Jesus. Many of them would be what we call duns. A lot of them are done with church. But somehow they come our way, but they're not done with Jesus. And that has happened even more so after COVID, all right? A lot of people did not come back, and a lot of young people didn't come back. They're done, but they are coming back because they want God. But they're looking for these grace-filled, loving communities that are going to give the truth, but do, speaking the truth in love. So a number of these young people came to know Jesus and, and this is when we started even in 2018, a few months once we arrived for this last term, all the way to the very end. And you're talking about all peoples. When we're talking about every nation, tribe, and tongue, through ours, we've had people from Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, uh, Kenya, Sweden. I mean, it's... It's amazing, our last church that we, we had in Madrid before we went on home assignment, I remember that last 
home group meeting. And, and, and just on that, I want to promote this because this is something that's real important, I think, is your community group. So if you're not a part of one, I'd encourage you to be a part of a community group here. But the last one I had, uh, I remember leaving my last day for, for a home assignment, and I could look at in the person, those, those other six, Great Britain from England, from Mexico, one Spaniard, we're talking every nation, tribe, and tongue, China, Italy, and Brazil. It, no one was from the same country. This is what God is doing. He's wanting to reach his people. And I'm telling you, you've heard this. The mission field has come to the USA. The mission field has come to Spain. Young people are coming to Jesus, and they're being discipled by Jesus. So you've now heard us of master first, number one, should be central movement to go. To make disciples, that's our mission. But he says, of all nations, that's multiplication. You've just heard what, what, what we have shared, but how are we reaching all nations? How is Oroville reaching all nations? You made an impact in Japan. You're making an impact in Texas. You're making an impact in, in India and in, uh, in uh, Congo as well. And other places. These are just from those that I, I see that are here. And in Spain as well. You are making disciples of all nations because we are your partners. And because we're your partners, anything that we do, you all get in rewards by praying and helping. And, and so thank you. Thank you so much. This is the first time I've been with you. And, and you've been helping us for, supporting us for since 2017 or 18. Thank you to make disciples of all nations. And that's that last point is multiplication. How do we multiply? For, again, I shared, I work with young adults. Jill has just this thriving ministry with young, young ladies. I always tell her, I, I think because these women love her, she could start a cult. <laughs> Seriously. She's just, she, she's wonderful. They, they, they like her. There's, um, there's, there are other missionaries. There's so many young missionaries that are alone. And so there's this young guy, AJ, uh, in the center. He's with Pioneers. He's the only one working there. His mission said, hey, Sam, we know you. You work with a lot of young people. Can you mentor him and coach him and help him? And AJ now has started churches, and he's helping churches, developing disciples in Madrid. But one group, two of those guys moved to Cyprus, and you know what? Within three months, those guys started a church. So from a guy from the USA, actually he was born in, in, in Nairobi. He was born in Nairobi, came to the USA, came to Spain, and now he's seeing work happening in Cyprus. I mean, this is all nations. And then there's Rob. And, and I usually tell people when you're making disciples, and I tell leaders, if you're an elder, take two, one, two, three men, under your wing to encourage them. Make time for them, whether it's just coffee, a meal, but taking time to encourage them, come alongside and, and, and help them because the young guys need help and they're looking for young. They're looking for godly seasoned men, um, men of God. That is a, that, I think that is one of the greatest needs in our world today. And then Rob. Rob is uh, from Philadelphia, works with a, with a Methodist uh, mission, Neat young guy, and uh, he was uh, doing an internship, and so he, again, he was working alongside me. But the fun part is multiplication took place this past uh, term was when Zach married Morgan, who was part of our church. So we have one uh, young couple finally in our church. It's typically uh, singles. And then uh, December 2021, I, or 2022, whichever, 21, did AJ's wedding. Uh, he married a missionary from Paris, Alice from, from Australia. And then uh, June 6th of this year, I wasn't there, but uh, Rob married in Honduras 
a young Honduran lady who was living in Spain. But they got married in Honduras on January 6th. So we're seeing multiplication happen, and it's happening another way. You see that little, that cute little baby girl? Koa, that's their daughter. That's AJ and Alice's daughter. So God is multiplying. And that's a fun way to multiply. It really is. It's hard work, but it's a fun way. All right? Uh, one of the things that also in terms of multiplication, which we have seen that has happened, is because of the church. Uh, the, there are so many do- denominations, really. Um, 2015, they said, uh, we need to work together. Less than 1% of the people in Spain are believers. And when I arrived, it was 0.15%. One out of 600 people were believers. So God is making movement. But those, these, these wise men, who I think are all older than me, but my age are older, um, have sa- said, said, we need to collaborate to see more churches. And we have a, a really whew, daunting task or, or goal to see a church in Spain by the year 2030. In every place, everyone has access to a church by 2030. And that means we, need to do, we have a lot of work to do. But those men said, we can't do this alone. And so they asked me to, to represent the mission, missionaries in church planting. And so there I am helping helping these, these godly Spaniards. And, and many of them have already been successful church planters. But they said, Sam, we can't plant churches. Uh, if we plant the churches the way we have done in our careers, we will never reach Spain by 2030. But two of them had sons. They said, there's this guy, Sam, who's a missionary, who's planting these, these smaller, smaller churches that are multiplying. And, and a lot of these young, these young people come to them, and, and it's, it's, it's the kind of church that us young people would want to go to. So they invited me, and, and although I do not like using the word house church, I don't care to plant house churches. Okay, I like to call them simple churches. But, and, and so they said, no, okay, we won't use house because house defines where you meet. And that's how we want to, that to be our description of our church. And what they said was, uh, we will call that fresh expressions of church. Because I said, we can meet in, in, in restaurants. We can, meet in, uh, we can meet in parks. We can meet in, in schools and rent uh, smaller places. Rent a room in a hotel. So I've been working with them since 2015, but my focus for them is if we want to make, we want to plant churches. You can't plant churches unless you have church planters. And out of that church planter will come to, to have raised church planters, you need disciples. So we need to be making disciples. And those guys were doing it. In fact, so much that November last year, after two years being shut down for COVID, our church planning conference, annual church planning conference, was uh, entitled Discipleship. And usually about 70 to 80 attend, but this one, 250 attended. And people from the big churches were learning how to start smaller groups, to, uh, to disciple-making groups. And, sm- and small churches were starting that. But my focus to them, and I asked a lot of those guys, are you starting a Sunday service or are you making disciples? Which is most important? The answer should be kind of both. But what is the priority? What is the priority? And so many missionaries, so many church planters are trying to get that Sunday thing going. And they're not necessarily making healthy disciples. This is one of the works we've been doing. The other work, and this is not of me, but did you know that in Spain, Spain had the greatest church planting movement since, so they're down in Chitwan doing a church planting training and looking for the catalyst. Begins with a master who so moves us that we have to move to make disciples and not only make disciples, but to multiply. I thought, okay, this is just going to happen in Spain. Let's reach Spain. But God said, no, all nations. Yes, they're coming to Spain, but they're coming here as well. This is what we're about. In 
just to finish that by an extra measure of grace, he gives another promise at the very end. And behold, he says, check this out. Gaze, contemplate, meditate, focus on this. I am with you always. We might think we're knocking on doors when I used to do that, but I had to remind myself who's behind that door. But I got God. I got God on my side. There can be an army against us. God is on our side. And not only is he going to be always, but all to the very, very, very end. That's a promise. That's a promise. So this is who we are. This is what we've been doing. By God's grace, he's allowed it to happen. And I'm blown away. But we also want to make sure we do this transformation thing because this is where we take this. You, if you have been challenged, if you've been moved to, to be here, transformation takes place by application. So what can you apply? And so I, I would just give the three things. Is, and this is the first and for most important, worshiping the master. And what does that look like? It's sometimes taking that pause. That's why we take Sundays off to pause, to praise God. And it's not just worshiping through music, but also through, through just savoring and enjoying and meditating on him, remembering him. And, and, and as Nathan shared uh, yesterday, he reminded me, oh, work is worship. Yes, it is. Our job matters to praise. And as, 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 as Richard shared yesterday, give ourselves as a self-offering. It also means resting in him. It also means repeating a lot of the stuff we keep doing because you, you can't get stronger unless you keep doing sets, repeating. The other thing is, again, that key is movement. And one of the big themes here is, is we want that theme of pray, give, go, serve. So think about it. I'd ask you to, 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 to really commit. I'd encourage you to commit yourself to praying for one or two missionaries more. Really commit to them. And so, and so you, have, you have the Peters. You have, you have Emily. You have Richard. You have the Holmans here. Uh, it, it, there's a, to really pray a little bit more. Amp it up. To take prayer walks. It's amazing what happens when you take prayer walks. Usually when I take a prayer walk, something happens. And there's a, there's a divine encounter which takes place, to give, to go. You see some encouragements of how to go. Consider this. Short-term mission, luring a local missional effort. Paradise, California is not too far away. To serve, to encourage, for you to go overseas where we are in Spain, everyone wants to learn English. I know with Emily, everyone there wants to improve their English. How many here speak English? <laughs> you can go and bless them. Hospitality, opening up your homes to them. And the final thing, and if you've got those first two down, please, it's part of your job, part of the calling, the great mission, the challenge is to multiply. For some of you who are seasoned, some of you even that are fairly new, to consider praying for one or two or three people that you can invest in. And one of the greatest disciple-making communities is the family. Parents with your kids. Your kids are your disciples. Whether you're getting them in the Bible or not, if you're not getting them in the, in, into the Bible, you're discipling them. You're showing them that the, that the Bible, the Word of God, isn't the, doesn't have the validity that it should have. So this is who we are. This is what we're doing. And uh, we'd ask that you would consider. Consider missions. Not just consider, but realize that's your calling. And you are committed to do that. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for being the great God who loves us with an everlasting love. And we pray that you would continue to, to bless this church. I want to thank you for this church, for all who they are, all they've done, and all the efforts they've had for this missions conference. Remind us that uh, church is not just church, but church is missional. Commission us to be missional livers, to focus on Jesus, our master, to get on the move, 
to be moved by Jesus that we move to multiply and make disciples for your glory and your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you much, so much, Sam, for that challenge. And it's a good reminder to me, not that we're, we're not just called to go and to love others, but we're going from a place of being loved. And that's a really good reminder. And I just wanted to quickly say thank you to the missions committee, Carol and Amy and Laura Engel. Did I miss anyone? I can tell you how many hours they have poured into this. They have just given so much of themselves, and I'm sure they would love, if you've been challenged at all this week, and I'm sure they would love to have people join them um, on the mission team. And I just quickly wanted to say thank you to Pastor Brian for letting me use his guitar this weekend. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have had to carry a very heavy guitar through a very long airport to get here. So thank you so much for that. Pastor Greg introduced the, our closing song to me this week, and while the, the words are new, the Gettys have re rewritten the words, it's to a familiar hymn, The Church is One Foundation. So would you guys join us as we bring the missions conference to a close, our closing song. Feel free to stand up if you'd like. Seen a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, a need that undiminished refutes our softer ease. We who rejoice to know thee renewed before thy throne, a that we
stay around. They got their tables out in the foyer. Interact with them. Hear some more of their stories. We'll come back at 11 a.m. We'll have a panel discussion. Hear more about what God is doing throughout the world. And after this, I looked, and behold, a great number that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. That is our great commission. Let us go out and be missional this week in letting people know that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us go in peace. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. Thank you.